Well, I'm not going to go back over all we've done over the last uh, nine broadcasts in which we've been talking about the husbands and wives in Christian homes from a variety of perspectives. I just want to tell you that we're working now in 1 Peter 3, verse 8, and we've come to the last verse. I'm reading from the New American Standard Version when I read in verse 8. To sum up, let all be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. Humble in spirit. Boy, that would solve just about 90% of those problems there, wife, husband. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Humble in spirit. You know those problems. I don't know what they are, but you know, and God knows. You know the way you talked to him before he left for work this morning. Was that humble in spirit? Hey, hubby, you're listening in on the radio down at work or on your car? <laughs> you know what you said under your breath, even if you didn't say it to her, when you walked out the door? Was that humble in spirit? Okay, then you've got something to learn. Here we are, summing up what a Christian marriage ought to be like. Harmonious. Harmony comes fundamentally from having the same standard that will bring two people who are as sinners likely to differ together. And that is having the scriptures as the basis for the marriage, as the standard for what they believe and do, and becoming the, the guide and the rule for all of their activities in their marriage. Apart from that, it's hopeless. <clears throat> you can be as humble as you want, but you still don't know what to do. Sympathy. Sympathy is critical too because you need to understand the other person's feelings. You need to be able to enter into them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. If you can't do that, you can be very logical. But the other person still won't go along. Brotherly, how many things we forget to do for our husbands or wives because we only treat them as some kind of exceptional people because they're husbands and wives and forget that they're brothers and sisters in Christ and things we wouldn't think of doing to our brothers or sisters we do to our spouses and things that we would always do for our brothers and sisters and ought to do, we forget to do for our husbands and wives. Kind-hearted. How important to have that kind of a spirit when there is a conflict in the home or a potential conflict or something has gone wrong. The spirit of willingness to seek forgiveness or grant it. And on the other hand, the, the attitude where one is alive to the other person and his needs and problems and so on and hasn't grown cold or flat, hasn't taken the other person for granted but a real tenderness of heart for that other person and the other person's needs. Now let's fill it all out with one last critical element that is essential to real companionship within the framework of the Christian home, humility in spirit. Something like when Jesus was speaking about the poor in spirit, when we talk here about the humble in spirit. Humility is a kind of attitude that always puts the other person and his welfare first. That's what humility is in the Bible. The supreme example of humility 
is found, of course, in Jesus Christ. And perhaps the supreme passage in which that question is discussed is in Philippians 2. Here we had the problem of disunity in a church, not in a home, but in a church. You remember in the fourth chapter of Philippians, we read about Iodias and Syntyche, two women who were having trouble living together in harmony in the Lord, and how Paul says that they've got to do so. Well, here in this first and second chapters of Philippians, he begins to talk about unity because they need it. Verse 27, he says, that I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Then in chapter 2, he speaks about uh, unite having the same mind and the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Then he goes on from verse 3 in chapter 2, from there on to explain how humility can be achieved. And he mentions two things. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, there you have it, let each of you, now here's what humility of mind issues in, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. That's the first element in, in humility. Then the second element in verse 4, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Humility means putting the other person first, by regarding him first as more important than yourself, and secondly, looking out for his concerns and his interests, not merely for your own. And then he goes on to talk about that supreme example of humility, Christ Jesus, who did just precisely that very thing. He have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be graspingly held on to at all costs, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So you see, here's the whole point. Jesus Christ showed in his death on that cross a humility in which he did not selfishly hang on to what he had, all the glories of heaven, all the wonders of the heavenly state. But instead of that, what he did was to make us more important than his welfare, to be more concerned about our interest and more concerned about us and to make us more important. And so he died for us on that cross, bearing the guilt and the penalty and the wrath of God that we deserve for our sins. And not only that, he also did not look out for his own personal interests, but put our interests before his own. Now, husbands and wives, if you're having trouble in your home, you need humility. That is, you need to look on the other person as more important than you. More important than you, yes, you. More important than you. Your wife is more important than you are. Your husband is more important than you are. When you have those attitudes toward each other, there isn't going to be any conflict, just as there wouldn't be any conflict between Yodius and Syntyche in that church if they had that kind of attitude. And where you put your interests second and her interests first, or where you put your interests second and his interests first, there isn't going to be any conflict. You're not going to be having a fight about whether you ought to go do something uh, like having a family picnic on Saturday or whether you ought to go out golfing. There isn't going to be that kind of a conflict. The conflict doesn't arise when you put the other person first. 
The only kind of conflict you have then is kind of a humorous and, and enjoyable one, like when you reach a four-way stop sign and both people are urging the other one to come on first. But that's kind of a pleasant thing for a family to have that kind of a difficulty. I wish we had a lot more of those in our Christian families. So the critical thing here to see in mind is that humility, uh, to see and to keep in mind is that humility of spirit. Humility of spirit is essential to having a real solid Christian marriage. And humility means putting the other person first, just as Christ put you first before himself, before his own interests. Lord, help us to learn to be humble and help us to learn to be humble by doing it, by putting other people's interests first. May we put our wives first. May we put our husbands first. May we think about what they would like to do and what they would like to be and how they would like uh, things to be and how they would like us to be. And may we really put their interests and their lives before our own. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.